I'm Larissa, and I want to help you find the best strategy for communicating the magic and wonder of your jewelry brand so you can thrive by doing what you love and filling the world with beauty and creativity. Welcome to the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Larissa Worstiak. On this podcast, I explore topics in digital marketing for jewelry designers and retailers, including branding, content, email, events, social media, and more. This is episode 15, and today I'm actually sharing my very first interview. I recently had the privilege to chat with jewelry e-commerce expert, web developer, and content marketing specialist, Mike Haubin. Mike is the editor of jewelryecom.com, as well as the marketing and creative director for the Centurion Jewelry Show, which Mike's father, Howard Haubin, founded nearly 20 years ago. The show is actually happening right now in Arizona as I'm publishing this podcast episode. Mike's current focus is to enable jewelers to stay competitive in today's market by teaching them how to use today's digital tools. In this episode, we discuss topics like resources for jewelry brands seeking to improve their e-commerce presence, how to choose a marketing consultant and when it's essential to partner with one, jewelry website trends, some of the challenges that jewelry brands will face in 2019, why video marketing is so important, and how jewelry brands can win at marketing this year. Without further ado, I'm just going to let Mike jump in with some opening thoughts. It's all digital now, and the stores that are closing down and the stores that are not doing so well, it's really because they haven't they haven't jumped on board the digital wagon. And we're seeing that year after year after year that the digital skills you need are so they're real skills. It's not, it's more than just making a, a cute post on Facebook. They're real skills and it takes a lot of work. Now marketing takes a lot of work. So mm-hmm. as a, as a service provider for the jewelry industry, we wanted to equip them with these skills. And I think we had the tools to do it. I have a, a very heavy uh, development and design background. My dad, running the Centurion show for so many years and forming these relationships and having our team get to know the industry so well. And my dad also has a huge interest in the web. He uh, has been blogging about technology and the jewelry industry basically his whole life. So it was just the right time. We thought we could be the people to introduce an educational platform for the jewelry industry. It's taken off. So what's your personal background in marketing? I know you do some web development and also content marketing, but how did you initially get into it and what drew you into that industry? And and how did it kind of leverage your talents? You know, I had an ex-girlfriend in like, <laughs> I was pretty young. I think it was junior high. No, after it was after junior high, maybe end of high school. I'm not, I'm not too sure. And she did graphic design and I always thought it was kind of cool. And then uh, later in life, I was thinking about going back to school. And, uh, you know, also I was doing some like basic design work for the Centurion Jewelry Show. And just, I started doing freelance work. And then I guess between my freelance work and everything I was doing for the Centurion Show, it grew to, you know, I had to learn marketing, I had to learn social, I had to learn uh, web development. And over 15 years, I've just, I don't know. I guess I've I've grown a pretty interesting little studio because half the time I'm doing everything for Centurion and the remaining half I'm doing freelance stuff. So it's a it's a cool little it's a cool little studio we have here. 
It almost sounds a little bit reminiscent like a Gary Vaynerchuk story to me, like how he helped his family with the wine store that they owned. And in doing so, he had to kind of learn marketing. And I mean, you know his story. (laughs) A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, when Centurion was small, the company didn't really need a full-time web person. You know, they just needed some basic graphic stuff. So as I was learning the ropes... I, I helped out. And then a couple of years later, I started taking freelance basic little, you know, amateur level freelance work. And I just took as much work as I possibly could. And then I guess just over the years, I just got bigger clients and I learned more. I got some certifications and the website and marketing has become mandatory now over the, I mean, that was when I started, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago. Now the web is where everything revolves. So as as I saw the the need for the web, I guess I just grew my skills. And yeah, it's it's definitely helped Centurion. And Centurion has taken a, a big role now in trying to give these digital skills to jewelers. Just to put things into context, so how long has Centurion actually been around? When was the first show? So Centurion, uh, this is our 19th year. And it started basically, yeah, 19 years ago. It started at, um, it's at the Phoenician now. It was at the Western La Paloma, but it grew. And it just, um, you know, it's a small show. It's not, it's not a big jewelry expo like a lot of other shows are, where it's basically anyone can come and you just, it's a big, it's a big expo. It's not really, our show is a small, intimate experience. You have to be invited uh, you need a certain certain credit ratings and certain validation from our exhibitors that you're reputable. So it's a smaller show, but the people that attend the show are usually the the top, you know, the top designers and, and most reputable retailers. So it's a little different of an environment. It's um, you're able to really have important meetings with people and sit down with people. You know, because having a show with a couple thousand people is very different than having a, you know, a 20,000 person expo. Definitely. Um, So I saw, I think it was at the most recent one, or it may have been one of the most recent ones that you were one of the panelists on like a kind of jewelry e-commerce whole day of Uh, of events. Yes. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So what we did was first we, we have uh, the Centurion South Beach show, which is a show we do in Miami. Uh, Miami Beach. And a couple years ago, we did this event called 25 and 5, which was supposed to essentially mean that we wanted to teach jewelers how to get 25% of their online revenue, 25% of their overall revenue to be coming from online sources within five years. Now, I was not really involved with that. I would not have picked that name. I don't know if 25% of your (laughs) revenue is even a realistic thing. Um, so when I got, you know, I was, I was away from Centurion for a few years and then I came back and as I came back, I kind of, I was, I became more instrumental. So we, we changed the name and it's called Jewelry Ecom and it's, yeah, it's a full day of conferences and workshops and networking all for jewelers and designers who want to, 
you know, embrace the digital era that's happening right now in the industry. And is it mostly for people that both have like an in-store and online presence? Or are these people that are transitioning to go fully online? Or are they people that are thinking about starting an e-commerce shop from scratch? Like what is the audience for this mostly? Yeah, it's a, it's a mix. I mean, I think a lot of people are still in the beginning phases of all this digital stuff. I think a lot of people have a website and they're probably doing some basic social media work or what they think is a is good social media work. Probably not a lot of people have embraced Google mm-hmm. compared to how many people should be doing SEO and Google ads. I think so I think it's kind of like beginner to intermediate. I I think is the general experience level of the industry in the industry right now. Um, there are a lot of people that attend that have no knowledge of anything that are for the first time they say, I want to, uh, you know, I want to open an online jewelry store or it's people that have stores and they're just getting into e-commerce and they want to learn how to sell online or they want to learn how to increase store foot traffic. And that's still going to come from online traffic. So I think people are realizing that everything starts with the web now, regardless if you're looking to sell online or if you want to increase foot traffic. It's all it's all originating from the web. And I think jewelers are kind of getting that. And you're, you're seeing more and more people making an effort now in the digital space. They used to really kind of ignore it and, oh, yeah, I don't really need to sell online. But now people are realizing that there's a lot more to it than just selling online. It's getting people in your store. And if it doesn't matter if you're trying to sell online or offline, it all starts on the web. And it's good to see everybody starting to realize that. Definitely. So what's the incentive for a show like Centurion to, to do something like that, to offer a resource like that to attendees? Because I mean, they're really earning their money from exhibitors from. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So why would you do something like that? Well, so our position, firstly, is that we we actually own a few media properties. Uh, we do the show, but we have a very successful um, advertising um, business within Centurion. We do print publications. We sell ads. We, uh, we have a few different news sites like Jewelry Ecom that we sell ads. So we have a real media business. So it's, it's nice to think about monetizing and, and all that, but... What it really comes down to is that we want jewelers selling jewelry. <laughs> you know, yeah, definitely. How, if, if we want the Centurion Jewelry Show to be as successful as, as it's always been, and we want it to be, and it's always a great show, but the industry is getting tougher. And we need to give jewelers the tools they need to survive and to sell and to stay in business. Because if we don't have jewelers, that are selling jewelry, we don't have a show, you know? So this is, uh, it's just really value. We're just trying to give value to the industry. And a lot of it relies on, you know, the sponsorships and the relationships we have with people through Centurion. We have a lot of fantastic um, speakers at our e-commerce conference. We have amazing writers. And a lot of them are from, from the Centurion show and just knowing them for so long and knowing their expertise. What are some of the resources that, a jewelry brand can find if they went to a website like jewelryecom.com, for example? Well, I think the first thing is just getting 
for a jeweler that doesn't have a ton of digital marketing experience, I think the first thing is just getting their head in the game a little bit, learning some of the terminology, learning what basic tools are even out there. It's a lot of game planning stuff. That's kind of like what I like to emphasize. Game planning, which is like your overall digital strategy. What tools are you going to use? How are you going to leverage them? And then also having amazing content. So I think that I personally write a lot about content, how to create content, how to market it to drive, uh, to drive website traffic. But then we have people that also talk about SEO and social media and analytics. And, you know, it's a great little, a great little hub of different agencies that have proved their jewelry e-commerce knowledge over years and years and years and, and working with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of jewelers. And they're basically writers on our site to give their guidance to these jewelers to make sure everybody is, is still selling in, in, in these difficult times, which is really what we're facing. Why do you think content is so important for jewelry brands today? Content is the start of everything. And marketing has changed so much in the past 10 years. And it used to be pretty simple. You know, you would basically run an ad in the paper and then people would see the ad in the paper and then they'd call your store or, or come to your store. But now we're in a world where people want information immediately. And with Google and social media, people expect to get a lot of information before about the product and about your brand and about your store before they ever come into your store. Content is really the only way you're going to get people to your site and engaging with your brand. Mm. Because you used, like I said, you used to be able to just put an ad in the paper, but now people want information. They research products online. It's very easy in every single industry to go to somebody's Facebook page or go to their website and learn about the products and learn about the store. And jewelers have kind of taken a long time to adapt this. And I think jewelers have websites, but not a lot of them understand that you need to have interesting stuff on your website to drive traffic. There are some really fancy Facebook ad strategies, really fancy Instagram ad strategies. There's a whole lot of fancy Google ad stuff you can do. But in reality, what really matters is the topics you write about, how well they're written, the graphics you use alongside them, and how engaging they are. So you're seeing a shift in how sales are done, right? Like the marketing team and the sales team used to be pretty separate things. And now they're really one team because the marketing team is responsible for creating all this content. And we're finding that those are the things that are causing people that are driving the sales because people are looking for that content and they're almost making a decision before they even walk in your store. So content is, is the most important thing because if you can't get people to go to your website, they're never going to step in your store.
I've heard a lot of jewelry brands these days kind of talk about how they think the market is oversaturated and how it's really hard to get attention on platforms like Instagram and Facebook. And I'm kind of wondering, what are your thoughts about that? And how can maybe content help them differentiate themselves when they feel like they're kind of just shouting over everyone, especially on social media? I think that is said a lot of the time by people that don't know how to use the tools that are available. There's no, there's no question. Like it's not an opinion whether social media works or online marketing works. That's where people do their shopping. And if they're not shopping there, at least they're making a huge amount of their purchasing decision from, from the web before they go into the store. Again, here's an example. A lot of, a lot of jewelers don't really do anything on social media except post an occasional photo or a special or a sale. But you have to put money behind your posts. And a lot of jewelers don't realize this. Facebook only shows your content, that the, the things that you post, to about 2% of your audience. And jewelers don't realize this because they haven't really stayed up to date with these digital, these digital skills. So you know, they'll, they'll make a lot of posts and they're wondering why Facebook's not working for them. It's because you haven't boosted posts. You haven't run Facebook ads. You haven't uploaded custom lists or done lookalike audiences. There's, there's a whole lot of work that goes into these tools that I think jewelers just aren't, you know, they're not, they're not marketing experts yet. This is still pretty new to them. So I think a lot of people are dismissing social media purely because they're using it wrong. You know, it'd be like if, if I went to a construction site and I picked up this tool that I have no idea what it does, like a jackhammer, and I'm like pushing the button and I'm like, oh, it's not working. And it's like hitting me in the face. Well, of course it's not work. Of course it's not working for me. I don't know how to use it. I've never done this before. Right. So it's the same thing, you know? It's not, having a Facebook account means nothing. Putting content on Facebook and then putting some push behind those posts. There's, I don't know, I guess all I'm saying is that all these things have been proven to work in every single industry, e-commerce, to drive foot traffic, and jewelers are very quick to dismiss it because they just don't know how to use it properly yet. So if a jewelry brand was looking for someone to kind of help them, like a marketing consultant or, you know, someone like the people who contribute to jewelry e-commerce, ecom.com, what would be some of like the characteristics they should look for in a consultant or an agency that could help them? That is a great question. I would love to talk about this. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) I have worked for a couple different agencies Inside and outside of the jewelry industry, I have done stuff for Centurion. I have my own agency, and I've I've had the privilege of working with a lot of different agencies and seeing how they do business and seeing. I think I have good insight into this question, and it really comes down to a couple of simple things. One is the person responsive. Like when you have a problem with your site, can you? text this person or call them directly, right? Like that's a huge factor, the type of access you have to the agency because, you know, it, it's it's very different having a, a big problem with your website a day before a big sale or a big event 
and having to jump through hoops to reach somebody to fix your problem. Like you need to be able to contact them immediately and get your things fixed and get your problems sorted out. So I think the first thing is really finding someone in, someone that's gonna pay attention to you and give you um, the amount of focus required and the amount of access to them required to keep your site running properly and, on, and, and up to date. The second is just personal style. And this is really overlooked a lot. I think that a lot of people are probably doing the same things with Google ads as other agencies. I think a lot of talented agencies are doing many of the same things on social media. And I think a lot of agencies are very, very, very good at what they do. And they all have their own strategies and their own twists on it. So I think what matters the most is finding somebody that understands your, your vision and your goals and that meshes with you as a person. Like I wouldn't work with a client that I couldn't have a beer with. Like it's gotta be a comfortable, fun thing and they have to be passionate about your vision and helping you succeed. And I think that's way more important than you know, everyone has their own opinions on what works. Like you might ask one agency how they drive traffic to a website and they might have a totally different strategy than another or the complete the complete same strategy. But as a person that's not a marketing person, you're not going to know which one's any better than the other. You know, like you're going to hear their pitches and they're going to tell you why you should work with them. And I think what really matters most is you you hire someone that shares that vision with you and that you get along with obviously that has a ton of experience like you don't want to hire some amateur schmuck that <laughs> and 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 you know entrust your business with with some you know young inexperienced person you got to have someone with experience that has a portfolio that looks really good if they're a web design company they need to be able to show you some really nice websites they've made etc cetera, etc cetera. But all said and done, I really, I really believe it's the relationship that you have with the agency because that, that's, they've got to be enthusiastic about helping you. Was there anything else you wanted to add about characteristics of choosing someone? Yeah. If you're talking to a web designer or an agency and they're like trying to charge you extra for having a mobile responsive website, I would be a little nervous. Make sure that here's here's my uh, my website tip for two thousand <laughs> for two thousand nineteen. So websites used to be about being really flashy and super engaging visually. I started developing websites on Flash because I just thought it was really really cool to see like animation and when you move your mouse, something really cool would happen. And I thought it created a really cool experience for visitors. And therefore, I wanted to learn how to use Flash in my websites because I thought I could make these really, really artistic, creative websites. And then Apple was like, no, Flash is horrible. It doesn't work on mobile phones, and mobile phones is the future. And it doesn't make sense. And eventually Adobe had to had to concede. Adobe was like flat mobile design is way too important. Mm -hmm. We can't even we can't even uh, develop our flash program. Like they had to I think they renamed it and they kind of changed it for something else. Like I don't even know. 
And I was like a big Flash guy. I don't even know what Flash is anymore. <laughs> like, I think they changed the name, but like, that's what I'm saying. So the, the first thing is your site must look good on mobile devices. On Jewelry Ecom, we have about a 75% mobile viewership. That's like, that's business to business. So a lot of people are not, like a lot of people are business to business and they say, well, my customers are, are viewing our site from their, from their desktop at work. And that's not the case. You know, even business to business, the views are coming from mobile because it's just so easy. Even if they're sitting on the couch and they're scrolling through something, that's a mobile view. Yeah, and that so, includes iPads or other everything. devices too, yeah. Everything. So your website has to be responsive, which means, which is pretty standard um, because it's kind of like expected that whoever's making your website is gonna know what they're doing. And that, that involves making the website mobile responsive. Mobile responsive and mobile friendly are two different things. Mobile friendly just means that your site's gonna appear on the phone. But what people really want is mobile responsive, which means, which means the layout is actually gonna adjust and switch to be more of a vertical scroll on the phone. So let's say if you're looking at a website and there's a left column and a right column on the desktop. On the phone, that right column is probably gonna drop underneath that first column to make it, a, a, make it easier to scroll uh, with your thumb and make it super visible so basically you need to have mobile responsiveness like as your biggest priority. And then the second thing is it has to still look good. You don't need a complicated website, but you need a website that's gonna present you as a professional. Again, I see a lot of jewelers that just don't want to invest in websites because they don't care about selling online, but you need to at least have some nice photos, basic nice typography like eligible you need to have the basics and even if you're not selling online you still need decent graphics and visually your site needs to be impressive so don't don't cut your site short because you're not selling online you still need a site that looks good that's going to show you in the kind of light that you want to be shown i totally agree i actually have two thoughts about things you just mentioned. So first, I just wanted to add also that the mobile responsiveness has even gotten to the point that Google is penalizing sites that aren't mobile responsive. So not having a responsive site means not only can people not really view your site on a mobile device, but also your search engine ranking might drop because of something like that. Yeah, Google, I think that's a very, very good point. Again, a lot of jewelers don't realize that you're penalized by things like that. Like, it's not just about, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. You're gonna be penalized for things also like the site speed. You know, if your site right. is, load, if, if your site is loading slowly, your rank is gonna go lower. So that's another reason that even if you're not selling online, if you're trying to drive foot traffic, you want to be higher up in the search engine rankings and you need to do everything you can to get higher in those search rankings. So that really comes down to having the proper website. 
And then the second thing I want to say, so there was actually recently an article in JCK that I, I blogged about because I thought it was really interesting that the writer said that they've been noticing that a lot of jewelry brand websites are just starting to look the same in terms of like color scheme and layout and kind of like photography. And I thought that was kind of interesting because in some ways it's true. And I guess the writer, the idea was that a lot of brands these days that are catering specifically to millennials, they, I guess they think that all millennials are attracted to or are looking for things that kind of yeah, have you the have, same yeah, like feel. A, like a, you're not a skateboard, like yeah. with his iPhone looking at his jewelry. Right. <laughs> Trying to relate to millennials. I think good design is very hard to find um, in this industry. And I'm not trying to like rip anyone apart, but I feel like websites that businesses have in a lot of other industries, they, they look really cool. I mean, there are so many cool things you can do visually and yeah, I agree with you. It's a lot of like minimalism, like white and like really grayish, like not, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, not bright, vivid colors. Like everything it's is kind of like neutral. Dulled and new yes, neutral. Everything is kind of mm -hmm. dulled and neutral and they're afraid to use color. That's another thing too. A lot of people are afraid to use color. And I think that's crazy. Color, color is your brand. I don't, I, I usually don't, when I develop a website for anybody, I usually make sure that the header is the color of their brand. And I do this for a couple of reasons. One, because most companies want the main content of their site to be white, right? Because you want the type to be legible and it just looks, looks nice. Mm -hmm. And I like, I don't want to have a white header um, because as somebody is scrolling, it's not going to stand out. So I use a colored header and I try to incorporate the brand. And like, you're right, you're totally right. I think JCK is completely right. I think people are kind of just copying the looks of other jewelry lines, sites that they like. <laughs> you know, I think, I think so-and-so says, okay, we have, to, we have to get on this digital train. I like that website and that website. Just do something like that. You know, yeah, you know? I agree. And I mean, it in a way, it's smart because if something's working well, you think, oh, maybe I should borrow from that. But it starts to water down your brand, as you mentioned, too. So yeah. that's that's the problem with it. Yeah. And, and now that people are starting to learn how to use their websites and how to use content properly, it's going to be really important. Like you're going to have to stand out. Right. You're not going to be able to survive much longer if your website just looks like this generic copy of everyone else's. Mm -hmm. I try to I try to use a lot of like cool effects and like I use I come from that flash background. So I kind of like using you know, that's why I used to do flash because I thought I could do a lot of creative things with it. And I think it's important to still try to do that and not just copy everybody else's websites. I think you should look for ways to maybe have cool scrolls or like cool uh, parallax effects or animated effects and use your colors. I think it's super important. So I would agree with JCK completely on that. So you mentioned your like website tips for 2019, which I thought were excellent. Um, I'm curious if you have any 
specific marketing challenges that you think jewelry brands will have to overcome to succeed like this year and moving forward and maybe how oh, they can do that beyond the website? For sure. The, the biggest, I have the answer already. The biggest challenge that jewelers are going to have is that video is taking over. Jewelers don't want to do videos. They nobody. It's it's a scary thing to be in front of a camera all of a sudden, and it it takes you from being this person that was kind of, you know, running the business, and and having great relationships with people as they come in the store. But a lot of jewelers can kind of stay behind the counter, where now video is video is huge, and the way that you can use video to market yourself is huge. So the jewelers that are still nervous about being in front of a camera or, you know, they don't want to take the time, you know, doing a video, you know, for some people only takes a couple of minutes, but if you want to really put like a cool intro and, and do cool effects to it, it's a lot of work. And I think that it's going to be a hurdle. I think people are still going to be okay if they don't do video, but you're definitely going to see that, jewelers and jewelry brands that are using video definitely are going to have a huge edge this year. For someone that maybe wanted to get more into video content, what are some suggestions you might have for them? Like, where do they start? Do they need to hire a video marketing agency? Can they DIY it? What are some like types of content they can make videos about? I think that, who, who did I hear the saying? It was, um, Neistat, the pot, the big uh, Casey Neistat, the big uh, YouTuber. He's, mm -hmm. he, I watch a lot of his videos. He's fantastic. Great on the camera. And I was watching something and he said, he said, what was it? It was, don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. Your, your iPhone, if you have an iPhone or a Galaxy or any of the latest phones, you have an awesome video camera, like on you at all times. <laughs> so there's really no excuse not to do video. I think you want to make sure that it's done well, though. So I think there's a happy medium of doing like a professional video. And also on the other end is like you just talking to a jeweler as a as a friendly person that they can relate to. So somewhere in between those two extremes, you want to you want to be relatable. I think you can use your cell phone. It's totally fine. But I think you're going to see a lot of people still putting real money into video with real production and, and really trying to push the edge with that. If you're going to do video, you should just think of it as SEO, right? Like YouTube is just a search engine for video. If you want to get found through articles, um, it's going to be done through Google search. And if you want to get found through video, it's going to be on YouTube. So. I would say if you really want to embrace video, you should learn learn what type of videos you want to do. Figure out like, okay, do I like this, this shot? Do I like speaking from this position? And then the technical stuff isn't really that much of a big deal. I think it's more just making doing a good job, speaking clearly, not jittering the camera around too much, you know? So, but it's not a financial thing. So like the barriers for getting into video, it's not financial because yeah, some people are gonna invest in big crews, but I think you're gonna be fine just saying, hey, my name is so-and-so, check out this new ring we got from XYZ company and just showing it, like show it from a few different angles, maybe show off your store, very easy to do, boom, you share it to Facebook. And then you throw 20, 30 bucks behind that 
behind that on YouTube, 20, 30 bucks on social media. You spent 60 bucks and now you have this video that people can share and that's always available for people to access and see. So, I mean, 60 bucks for having this piece of content that's always going to sit on YouTube forever to drive traffic for you. I think video is really the way to go. I think it's, I think it's the way to go this year. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I like the thing that you said, uh, don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. I think also, if you look on YouTube at some of like the top trending videos and the top vloggers, like they're just sitting in their bedrooms making videos. So the people that go to YouTube, they're kind of almost like expecting that from the medium. So you don't have to go crazy because they're not expecting high production quality for something on YouTube and it's totally acceptable and it's totally fine. I, I totally agree with you. I think YouTube has changed what people view uh, a commercial is, mm-hmm. right? Like people have always usually just watched TV. So they see these big budget commercials or these big cinematic type of camera angles and stuff. But I mean, YouTube, it's a lot of people just sitting in front of their computer talking or, you know, I, you know what I do during, you know, when I'm, when I'm with my daughter and she's sitting next to me, she's on my iPad watching YouTube videos of kids opening toys. Mm-hmm. This is, this is like, this is what kids do. They just, it's like they just like watching other kids opening toys. It's the strangest thing in the world, but they love it. And the people that make these videos are making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars by playing toys with their kids with a basic video camera in the room and then uploading that damn video to YouTube. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's just people sitting in front of a camera or in front of their phone. So yeah, I think people do, I think people expect, as you said, that on YouTube, it's not gonna be a, a fantastic, amazing quality. It just has to be good enough. It's gotta be clear. You wanna talk legible, you know, maybe shave or do your hair or something, but like, it's not It's not the technical stuff that's gonna get in your way. It's, right. it's your ability to speak and, and to come up with cool topics and, to present them in an exciting way. I think that's what's gonna matter. Are there any other challenges that you think will be um, important to overcome in 2019? I just, I think the biggest change is that marketing now takes a lot more time than it ever did. You know, um, I used the analogy in earlier that it used to be pretty simple. You would run a few ads, but now you have to create, you have to spend time blogging. Because if you don't, if you're not writing articles on your website, you're never going to get found on Google. Your search engine, I mean, unless, I mean, you can get found on Google through paid ads, but if you want to reach organically, if you want to be found organically, you must have articles on your website. There's no other way, you know? Um, so these types of things, and, you know, and doing a video, that might, that might take a while, if depending on how much work you want to put into it, you know, but, but. But marketing nowadays, especially for jewel, especially for jewelers, it takes time. It takes time to write articles, and I don't know if that effort is something that a lot of jewelers are prepared for. I'm not. I'm not saying that jewelers are not unbelievably hard workers. Um, that's not what I'm saying. But to suddenly say to some, to, to suddenly say to somebody that's never really done something like this, hey, listen. The only way your store is going to survive for the next five years is if you're writing articles, making videos, and publishing stuff on your website. I think a lot of jewelers are just saying, nah, no thanks. I I don't believe you. And they don't realize that that's really what it's going to take. So 
I think it's just going to be a matter of jewelers understanding they cannot idly sit back. They have to really, if they don't want to write articles, they have to hire a college student and, you know, an English major or a journalism major, a couple articles a week, give them 50 bucks, like do something to get content on your website that people are going to be excited about. And it's got to be you or it's got to be someone in your store, or you should hire any one of the recommended agencies on Jewelry Ecom because a lot of them write content and they write content for jewelers day by day by day. So they, the benefit of hiring a, a digital agency that specializes in the jewelry industry, I think, is because they know the strategies that drive traffic for jewelers and they know how to, they know what content works. And, um, but somebody's got to do it. Somebody has to do it. And I think a lot of jewelers are going to be intimidated by that. Oh, I totally agree. And I mean, you could be a great business owner and you could be super savvy at financial stuff. You could be a wonderful jewelry designer. You could be great at customer service and you don't have to be great at everything, but like you said, know how to outsource those things and know what's required so that you can find the right people to do that. And I also think this is like a very important point for people that want to get into the industry and maybe starting completely e-commerce. Like it's so easy to set up a Shopify store. Anyone can do it in like five minutes, but they don't necessarily realize all of these things that you've been talking about. Like, yeah, you can set it up, you could put your products up, but they're not just going to magically sell themselves because you decided to open a store. Um, So it's really important for people to be aware of all the things that go into it when there's the illusion that maybe it's like a lot easier than it actually is. Yeah. I think that the time of, of, of sitting back and hoping people come to your store is over. I think people have to get involved heavily with their marketing. And I think their sales team, your marketing team is your sales team nowadays. So your marketing team has to be able to, to produce content and do all this stuff. And um, I think the winners this year are going to be the companies that accept the new skill sets because these are new skills. Like these usually jewelers could do really well by just being super personable, having great relationships with people, offering tremendous customer service, having great products, all these, all these things that jewelers have, have built their, their stores on. Right. And now you have to say, now you have to still all do, you have to still do all that. But now you have to learn digital marketing. It's not like any of those things. I mean, it's sitting in front of your computer and you know, cross-referencing numbers with numbers from the previous 30 days and watching traffic patterns and create, you know, like it's just it's it's a different animal. So the jewelers that are gonna survive and that are gonna thrive are the ones that are gonna embrace that themselves or that are gonna choose an agency that has this experience that can do this for them. Because you're not gonna survive anymore if this is not a part of your strategy. It's just, there's no way about it. And coming from somebody from, you know, I'm, I'm from Centurion. Like we have amazing relationships with, with manufacturers, amazing relationships with retailers, and we see the trends year to year. And the trends really show that the companies just now starting to make the effort online are still behind. 
So it's really important to get up to date on this stuff because this is the stuff that's making a difference. I totally agree. This has been so helpful, Mike. You shared so much really great information today. Um, I'm just wondering, is there any, are there any final thoughts that you want to share with our audience? Any tips or things that you can think of that you want to share before we wrap up today? No, you know, just um, for any for anyone in the jewelry industry that has been listening, um, you can go check out jewelryecom.com. Two M's at the end. It's jewelryecomm.com. And we publish stuff there like um, tutorials, articles on e-commerce. We give tips on how to run Facebook ads. And we give basically all this great re um, great information to, to kind of help the jewelry industry learn these digital tools. Excellent. Thank you so much for your expertise and your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It was great talking to you. It was such a pleasure to be able to talk to Mike and pick his brain about some of the trends and challenges he's observed in the jewelry industry, especially when it comes to e-commerce. Be sure to visit jewelryecom.com for the jewelry industry's latest digital tips, tutorials, and e-commerce news. I look forward to sharing more interviews with you. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information about marketing services for your jewelry brand, visit joyjoya.com, where you can download our free ebook, Proven Conversion Strategies for E-Commerce Jewelry Retailers.